Well, folks, welcome to one more edition of Politics and Rana McBerto Willis Holmes. Thank you so kindly for being part of the show. We're going to have a great show for you today, as usual. What is the show going to be about today? Let's get busy. Violence, privilege. Next Gen's America's Cristina Sinsun Ramirez on voter suppression. And we're going to start with our failed media, Bridge MCP. Welcome aboard. Hey, all. Egberto, have a wee funny pick for you to put up. Well, put it up. Let's see what it is about. Let's see what it's about. All right, let's see. We got on the screen with us so far, so far, May Wood. Welcome aboard from Long Beach, California. We also have Michael Rudnan with a hell of a lot of stuff. Let's see how much of that we can get to, Michael. I probably will read pieces of them. Nanette Bird-Smith, welcome aboard. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Julie Van Astel. Hello, beautiful people. Of course, we love beautiful people. And everybody that comes on to this show, guess what? They are beautiful, beautiful. Uh, let's see what we got here. Oh, I think you mean the, the, the thing with normalizing. Uh, is that the black and white picture you're talking about? Um, I think that's what you mean. Let me go ahead and put that up early for you. That is uh, Republican criticism. There we go. There is a page for you, my dear. All right, let's see what Michael Rodden has to say. Egberto, mind putting this one first screen up and full screen it's while you get the rest of my post. Hey, look, uh, how many of you want me to put stuff up? Okay, I'm going to put yours up uh, and then I'll get the other one back up again since you, yours was first in the list before our, our PD, PDR Posse leader. There we go. All right, let's get busy. If you're spending more than 25% of your income on rent, you don't have enough to live our society needs living wages and more affordable housing. P.S. Yes, we also need to properly address global warming, universal health care, living wages, etc., etc., etc. Next one from Michael Rodden. Hurricane Ida deemed a poster child for climate disaster. A storm slams Louisiana. Warner, o- warmer oceans fuel stronger storms. Intensified hurricanes are one of the direct outcomes of global warming. In fact, if what happened, they expected that for to decrease rather quickly when it went over land. But over land in Louisiana is over marshland, etc. Very warm temperatures. Hurricane took a while before it turned into a tropical storm. It's amazing that what's going on. You guys can finish reading that, 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 that one from Michael. Michael Rodden says, Thousands march on Washington in voting rights push. No taxation without representation. Used to be an idea. We fought wars over D.C. and Puerto Rico. Both deserve statehood, deserve proper representation in Congress as they have larger populations than the least populous states. The only reason there's pushback against it's poor partisan because they think Latinos are in, in, inherently Republic, I mean Democratic, which is not really completely the case, and because of course we know Chocolate City is DC. Michael Rodden also said 70% 70 people arrested for resisting line three at rally outside Minnesota Governor's Mansion. These pipelines invariably leak and destroy whole ecosystems when they do not just imagine in. And now just imagine how different our country would be right now if there were 70,000. Sanders pitches $3.5 trillion spending bill in thousands at Indiana Town Hall. Imagine that. He brought out thousands of people in, at the Indiana Town Hall. I, it was amazing. I kind of watched some of it as well. So do we care enough about the next generation to make sure they survive? Mr. Rebic, Bernie Sanders' chief of staff, says when more than 2,300 people 
come out in the middle of the hottest summer on record in West Lafayette, Indiana, to hear Bernie Sanders talk about the $3.5 trillion Senate reconciliation bill. You know something is being done right. Michael, how many do you have here, brother? Researchers discover world's innermost, northmost island. I would be surprised if it was a result of global warming melting. Of course, that's the result. Recovering from COVID-19 doesn't guarantee antibodies or confer immunity to infection. There's a large number of people who have already had COVID that choose not to be vaccinated. They believe natural immunity will protect them. Turns out to be a risky decision. And there's a, look, there's a scientific reason why. They decided with the, with the uh, RNA drugs to target the spike, the spike, um, the spike protein. What's interesting is your body, when it sees COVID, it may have decided to target something else on the particular variant of COVID that you have. Such that if you get the Lambda version, the Delta version, since those spike proteins are similar, it may not have taken the other ones as, as saying there's something wrong here. And then we go into that storm. I forgot what it's called. Ketonic storm or... Uh, I don't remember the name of the storm. Anyway, 100,000 more COVID deaths seen unless U.S. changes its ways. We're losing over 1,000 people per day to COVID here in the U.S. We could cut the deaths rate in half if we had mass mandates. We could do better than half. I wish they're coming up now that now the education department that they're going to try to talk about the civil rights of these students being violated by not allowing mass mandates. And I, I think they should have thought about that long time ago. At, at what point do you say, if you are infecting me, you are, you are, you are infiltrating my civil rights, etc., etc., etc.? I think that should be something done a long time ago. U.S. says Afghanistan drone strike targeted Islamic State planner in a car. U.S. says there were no known civilians. There were civilians. Eight, I think it was seven or nine children died. I swear every single time we drone bomb terrorists, we kill innocent women and children all of the time. And But look, that is not solely because we're targeting with drones. That is because these terrorists are in fact as well evil in the way they embed themselves among people so that to kill them many times or to get at them many times you have to get at the people around them. So you have to ask the question, do you let that bomber go off and kill 170 or 500 people or do you take him out where he's at and run the risk of killing a few? Again, these are, these are decisions I would never want to have to make myself, but many have to do it themselves. Congress must access Cory Bush as the Supreme Court ends eviction moratorium. If Congress allows millions of Americans to become homeless while a pandemic continues to affect our nation, we're going to have a revolution in the streets. You guys can finish that later on and re- finish reading all of that. Uh, last one, unprecedented. Madagascar on the verge of world's first climate-fueled famine. It's time that times like this that I see the future that we're headed towards, just the start of how bad it's going to get. We can help them now. And if we properly address global warming, we might be able to do much better. Okay, we got to move on. Uh, Maywood, welcome aboard. Uh, Bridge MCP, let me get your stuff back on the screen. Bridge, I uh, think that's it right there. Uh, let's see what I got. Bridge MCP, one second post in this first. Normalizing Major E. Taylor, Codlin Scott Walker, your liberal media at work. Then again, the perceived need by liberal-oriented news organizations have bent over backwards to show that they're fair. But in the process of doing that, what they show is that they're not fair. They are pretty much gullible to a system, sadly gullible 
to a system that cares nothing about what's really going on. All right, let's continue here. We got Bridge MCP. Julie Van Assel, I think I saluted you. Eric, Eric Windless, how many Republicans are dying due to COVID? Uh, you know, I don't know, but there are a lot of people who would just go ahead and say things like, you know what? Uh, they, they would say things like, uh, survival of the fittest. I'm not there, but I get it. Julie Van Astel, well, I'm currently in New Mexico, pet sitting. Welcome aboard from New Mexico. Maywood, I'll try getting closer to the router and see if that helps. Try that. Maywood, took a minute for this to allow comments. I seem to be having buffering trouble. Sorry to hear about that. Michael and Egberto, thank you for publicizing the Effect Line 3 resistance action. Michael always has good stuff to put out there. I'm thinking Monday I need to cut my post. <laughs> All right, brother Michael Redden. Love you, man. Love you. You, you, you do a lot of reading and you, you bring a lot to the... Um, you do a lot. Okay, didn't I put your image up? Oh, th- I don't have your image up. What happened to your image? Here's your image. All right, let's continue. Uh, okay, Bridge says, uh, Politicus USA, Republicans, Delta variant. What is that one? Is that one you want me to put up to? All right, there you go. I think that's what you mean. Egberto, please put my image. All right, Gina Gil- Gilkerson. Uh, welcome aboard. Uh, let's see, Michael Redden, what else? Go here. Okay, we got to get busy. Anyway, folks, thank you very much for being here. We have a start, and what I want to start you with is as follows. I was very, did, did you guys watch, not that one, that one, that one, that one. There we go. Did you guys watch the um, the news programs in the mornings, uh, on Sunday morning? I was extremely upset when I saw the program, and uh, and what happened then is I went immediately live and did this. Check this out, and then we'll take it on the other side. Well, folks, welcome to one more edition of Politics Done Right. I know it's not the right time. Normally, Politics Done Right is every weekday at 3 p.m. Central to 4 p.m. Central. I had to come on today because of the, the morning news programs. Share the program right now because this is some very serious stuff. This is a genesis of new things are uh, getting ready to happen. So I want folks to be aware so that they can start informing and let folks know we are not going to tolerate what is about to happen. Look, there is a hurricane that is bearing down on Louisiana. A hurricane that is likely to create a lot of damage. A hurricane that is likely to impact a whole lot of people. And you know what is so disconcerting about that hurricane? That it wasn't the leading story on this morning's programs. The reason why the hurricane was not the leading story that they brought you in for a whole the first 15, 20, 30, 40 minutes of the program, the reason it wasn't is because they know that when you watch these morning programs, they know the most important things come up front and eventually people taper off, taper off, and they lose audience. They want the largest possible audience that they can get to hear what they're going to talk about today. And for them, it's not the hurricane that's going to Louisiana that's going to hurt a lot of people. It is that Biden is taking us out of war. We need to remain in war and we need to make sure that the defense industrial complex continues to be fed. Thousands of Americans are going to be impacted in a few hours. And the story 
is Afghanistan. Why is that? They want to get into your psyche that the most important things, thing that is affecting American people right now is us getting out of Afghanistan and that maybe 300 Americans are going to be left there for a while and that many Afghanis that work for America are going to be left under the tutelage of the Taliban. I want you to listen to this. I want you to see how they think. Check this out. Former Obama Defense Secretary Leon Panetta said he thinks the U.S. will have to go back into Afghanistan to John's point that over horizon is not the same as being on the ground. No, it's not. And uh, one of the things that we've seen sort of in uh, in, in conjunction with the deterioration of security in the last two months is the fact that we've had uh, less and less intel collection on the ground. You know, troops not being able to secure the premises there. Uh, ISIS being able to sort of embed itself in mountains, in homes to be able to operate in the way they were. Remember, 20 years ago when the attacks of 9-11 happened, technology was far more less sophisticated than it is now. Now you have the technology on top of the fact that there is no U.S. presence, a limited intel collection. It really raises concerns about uh, what is happening on the ground and the potential for another terrorist strike down the line, which is why so many people were so against us withdrawing in this way in the first place. And secondly, you look back on Iraq... After we withdrew from Iraq, we didn't really know the magnitude of ISIS taking over that country. We were so blindsided as to how ISIS was able to sort of take over a third of Iraq and Syria because of the fact that our presence was so limited there. And we were ultimately forced to go back in despite reluctance. All right, I want you guys to see the, 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 the magical mechanics that's being done right here because this is important for you to understand how they brainwash Americans, okay? They want you to hear... Afghanistan, leaving Afghanistan, equal terrorism in America. Afghanistan, leaving Afghanistan, terrorism in America. Uh, leaving Iraq somehow, terrorism in America. I want you guys to visualize something because this is what nobody ever asks these people to do. This is the world. That is our world. Okay? The reason I wanted to show you this is this is Afghanistan right here. Way yonder. There are two ways to get to America. Get over land somehow to hit the sea that's at, at, at the closest 600 miles away. And if that gets you to the Indian Ocean, jump all the way over and get into a boat and come over to America. The other option is to get on planes, right? To come to America. So we want, we've spent two point something trillion dollars in this ragged, wretched, mountainous land here under the pretext that we are stopping terrorism in America. That's the pretext. Again, look at the map. The, they depend, the military industrial complex and those warmongers depend on Americans being geographically challenged and scientifically challenged in order to make way for a military industrial complex to steal our tax dollars as opposed to investing it in infrastructure that doesn't make the defense industrial complex any money. If you take a look at this picture, you can see where this is where uh, Afghanistan is. Look at Afghanistan. That is Afghanistan right there. All the way deep away from us. This is America. You have to get over the Indian Ocean and the Pacific and the Atlantic Ocean or the Pacific Ocean to get to us if you want by sea, if you want to bring some ammunition that can really effect good, strong terrorism against the United States. Or you can somehow 
go through all these other countries to fly and eventually fly into the United States. Imagine if we didn't take $2.3 trillion. Imagine if we took $5 billion to make sure all flying entries into our ports can be tested to prevent those things from coming in. You may say, okay, but it only takes one accident. Yeah, it only takes one accident, but for it to take one accident, that accident is going to be a small accident. How many people did we kill in Iraq? How many people did we kill in Afghanistan? How many Americans died in Iraq? How many Americans died in Afghanistan? If we protected these, these entry points to the United States, whether uh, official entry points or otherwise, if we spent the money to protect what they like to call the homeland... It would be a lot less expensive than throwing a lot of our innocent young people over in Afghanistan to fight. But again, the dependence on the military industrial complex and your governor, on your, on your government, as well as folks like Leon Panetta, who said, I think we're going to have to be back in Afghanistan again. Please ask them the next question. Please tell us what is the procedure for a terrorist getting from Afghanistan into the United States of America to effect a terrorist event. Isn't it easier for them to create a staging room in Mexico, in Canada, in Cuba? Cuba is 90 miles away. Mexico is right across the border. Canada is right across the border. Hell, it's even easier to do it in Brazil. Why would we want to go all the way to Afghanistan? Even 9-11 was not arranged in Afghanistan as they would like you to believe. Oh, there are militants in Afghanistan. Yeah, but you know the guys who rammed our buildings? Guess where they learned? They learned by from the capitalists in our country to fly airplanes who wanted their payments to learn to fly. So we took money. You know, if you really wanted to know the guilty ones here, right? When 9-11 occurred, you should ask the private companies who were happy to take the thousands of dollars from these terrorists who learned to fly these planes in Florida and then fly them into our buildings. That didn't occur in Afghanistan. Those were Saudi Arabians coming to the United States, learning how to fly in the United States and attacking the United States from the United States. My question to my brothers and sisters continuously remains the same. How long... Are we going to allow them to snow us? How long are we going to allow them to lie to us? I want all of you to share our programs here, especially this program where we're talking about the fraud that is uh, attempting to tell us that somehow Afghanistan is a threat to the United States on basis of terrorism. It is not so. It is a lie. It is a lie to allow us to start continue investing in this area. It has never been a threat. It was always a method used by the defense industrial complex to find a way to make trillion, again, $2.3 trillion. And you know what should hurt the most? The amount of our kids that died in Iraq the amount of our kids that died in Afghanistan and that is likely to die before the mission is complete. I, I need you to share this. I need you to let others understand that they are playing with us and they're already preparing us. They lost the battle. We are getting out of 
Afghanistan. By the 31st, we will be out. But what they want to gin up now is they're going to try to create events that are tied to us not being in Afghanistan so that we can then go populate Afghanistan. The question is, so why Afghanistan? Why are these countries? For the defense industrial complex to rip us off, you have to go to a land that is open for, for open to have you or that you can justifiably go conquer. That's why we could have done it with Iraq for a long time. Now it's Afghanistan. And you see, there's not a lot of places we can go ahead and set bases up. You go into uh, Sudan, they're going to say, well, Sudan doesn't have anything to offer. At least Afghanistan has rare earth metals that we want. And at least Iraq had oil that we want. So we want to claim some sort of a presence there, right? Let's not be fooled at all. Make it that others see. Make it that others understand that the fraud continues. The fraud of attempting to get us into a war, perpetual war, continues. And we cannot, we should not, we must not allow it to occur. I am one voice. There are thousands of voices out there that are trying to make this point many times, oftentimes, to shut out. The only way that we can get that visibility to kind of enlighten people to the fraud that's being effected on us is for you to go out there and share our stuff and let other people see it because this is real. Thank you so kindly for spending some time with us on this impromptu version of Politics Done Right. All right, cognitive dissonance. You know, when you are you have you create this image in your mind and somebody is giving you fact-based information that you can all, you yourself can figure out on your own but you still want to hold on to the figment of your imagination i want to respectfully talk to my brother lee grant and my brother eric hayes my two conservatives online right now eric hayes says here we go to blame 9-11 on others except the terrorists. That's not what I just did. And uh, Lee Grant says, Egberto wants to blame 9-11 on flying classes. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying something that is much more profound. We told America, in order for the defense industrial complex, the military industrial complex, to rip us off, we said, hey, there are a lot of militants in Afghanistan who want to attack America. They're training an army. They're training all these people. Is that army going to find some way to come to America? Or are they going to jump on a boat? Or are they going to jump on an airplane? So whenever we watch TV, we see them marching. And we see them jumping up and down. And they're shooting guns. And they're, they're training in Afghanistan. And we think, we got to go to Afghanistan and blow that up. And I always thought, you know, again, not, I'm not cognitively distant. I've always thought, so what if these guys are marching up like our crazies in, 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 uh, in Michigan, these militias training for something, right? I, I worry more about the right-wing militias in the United States marching and training with those assault weapons than I'm concerned about those, uh, those, Afghan, uh, those Afghans or those other terrorists in Afghanistan who are doing the same thing because they got to get over here. They have to come through the boats or come through the airplane. They're not here. Now, what actually hurt us in America when terrorists come here? When it came to 9-11, they were here. They didn't need to stage in Afghanistan. In fact, most of their staging was done in Germany. 
where they did all their calculations on all that was Germany. But we knew that these guys were in Afghanistan and we wanted to invade something to make some money for the defense industrial conflicts. It, Afghanistan has nothing to do with terrorism in the United States. It is mutually exclude, and it, it drives me crazy that we allow these people to lie to us like that. The people who attacked our buildings, who brought down the Twin Towers, they spent months in the United States of America going to American schools to learn how to pl fly American planes into American buildings. It was all done here in America. Likewise, when, they, when, when you, we have all these other terrorists coming over, much of it is done right here. So don't you protect the homeland by protecting the homeland? We, are, we allow ourselves to be so misinformed. And it's our fault because of what I call, or what everybody else call, cognitive dissonance. Doesn't matter how many times we tell you the truth. You believe the crap that they tell you as they pick your pocket. That's what we do. Terrorists, yes, in Afghanistan. No, that is what we're saying. Okay, let's see what else we have. Maywood said most of the terrorist attacks have been done by Saudi. That was the other thing. Most of them weren't even Afghans. They were Saudis. It's amazing. But Saudis are our friends. Respect, honor, duty, integrity, and I'm describing Joe. Oh, actually, you know what? I am not a fan of Joe Biden per se. But I think Joe Biden is doing a damn good job. A damn good job. And he finally stopped a war. And that's why the, the defense industrial complex have all your puppets talking against him right now. Because they see the money tree disappearing. And I don't know if he's going to continue. They, they're hitting him so hard. Who knows? Okay. Lawrence Sims. War. Uh, let's see. Julie Van Assel said, TJ, I love Biden, but I'm a Bernie Sanders gal. I'm a Bernie guy too. Eric Hayes, buses of people are being stopped now and letting them into the airport. Sad, right? Will Joe risk? Cognitive dissonance continues. <laughs> okay, let's continue. Uh, let's see. Eric Hayes says, Egberto take, takes one bomb and what if the Taliban deals with Iran and get an... Okay, and please tell me, how much... Eric Hayes, let's, let's go under your tenant. And this is where I tell you our... Our media depend on us being scientifically challenged. That's one of the words that I use. How much does an atomic bomb weigh? And how do you get an atomic bomb to detonate? And by the way, in every airport, uh, if, let's say you say, oh, but maybe they'll try for just a dirty bomb. They don't have to get it to actually have fission or fusion. So they'll just create a dirty bomb. Okay, so they create a dirty bomb. To get a dirty bomb into the country that's not already in this country, you have to pass through all the sensors that are, at all, that are all over not only our freeways. You see, you guys don't know that. A lot of those things that you see in those panels, there are radiation sensors, you know? A lot of that you didn't know about. When, when we did all these changes for 9-11. Radiation sensors. So even a dirty bomb, you, you have to ask yourself, how comes a lot of stuff haven't happened like dirty bombs and all of that? And dirty bombs was one of the things we feared, right? We can find radiation pretty damn quick, okay? So, and, and by the way, for any m measured radiation, and that's why I said science challenge, please come, that's why we talk here so we can educate each other. Bombs, 
uranium is one of the heaviest metals, on um, heaviest uh, elements, right? Heavier than plum boom, lead, and all these things. So it's not like it's easy to carry around a lot of plutonium, um, a lot of uranium. And plutonium is very toxic. You make one mistake with it, you're in deep caca. So remember that. All right, Lee Grant. The, the Smirnoff brothers made it just fine in the United States. Exactly. Remember that, Lee Grant. The Smirnoff brothers made a pressure cooker bomb that went off over in, in, uh, in, uh, in Boston for the Boston Marathon. And what? They just did it, right? Just right here. American kids. By now, they were American kids. The Smirnoff brothers. Americans. American terrorists. Okay, let's see. Uh, John Carter says, no Trump sycophants negotiated with the Taliban and undercut the Afghan government. Exactly. He then cut military so far, there was no stain. If Biden uh, would have sent more troops to stay there, you would have said that he want to stay in war forever. Exactly. Uh, Julie Van Asdel says, three of the 9-11 pilots uh, trained right here in Egan, Minnesota. Exactly. And the rest trained in Florida. Rose Williams, hi everybody. Let's see who else we got here. John Cotter, welcome aboard. Sam N, welcome aboard. Cognitive dissonance is a fancy word for this. People, I think they have cognitive disconnect. Andre, <laughs> right? Death and distraction from war and the reality of what happens to promote it is what allows the carpet baggers and chicken hawks to ignore the domestic terrorists. Say, says Lawrence Sim, and Lawrence is absolutely right. Lee Grant says Biden is a Chicken is a SS. I don't know what that means. Creek, face it. Uh, no, I think Biden is pretty good. There is an old joke in there about terrorist pilots and bothering to learn how to land a plane. Too soon? Right. That was from Michael Rudnan. All right, let's see. Uh, Bridge MCP. Oh, Egberto, I made a joke for you and you still won't let us have some humor. Come on. You, look, I go through these things so fast, sometimes I just miss it. Tell me the joke. Where is the joke, Bridge? When I miss something, you're supposed to... Highlighted and said, damn it, Egberto. And put star, 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 Egberto. This is a damn joke. Read it now. And then I'll do it. Because I'm going through a whole lot of stuff that gets mixed up. Eric Hayes says, question when a president goes and pays respect to the fallen past. Presidents have done without cameras for respect. Plus they didn't. That's, you sent me that message privately. That's a lie. Donald Trump didn't go to any one of those dead people coming back. In fact, he didn't want to show caskets at all. Because it messed with what his vision was. He didn't care about people. Every president that goes meet the people, including Barack Obama, uh, Bill Clinton, and notice the ones that I'm saying, they always did it. And one of the reasons you want to have cameras there is so that America knows that at the highest level, their soldiers are getting recognized from the commander-in-chief. So you do want cameras there, sir. If you have an atomic bomb, why would you want to put it on an airplane? If a terrorist got their hands on a dirty bomb, drive it into the city. Right. Right. Uh, let's continue. Sam M. says, uh, TJ does... Okay, I won't read that. Lee Grant says, where's Kamala doing her job? Uh, Rose Williams, equipment provided to the Afghans was for the Afghan government forces. Unfortunately, the Afghans were, were crumpled. Exactly. And they were corrupt. They were just corrupt. All right, let's see. Let's go ahead and do the second video. Um, actually, it's, it's time for me to do my, my ass. Folks, please remember, if you are listening to us, please go ahead and click that join button. Become a part of our PDR posse. 
uh, become a part of our PDR Posse. Alternatively, you can provide support for this program as well by going to politicsandright.com slash support, politicsandright.com slash support. You can get all of our books at politicsandright.com slash books, politicsandright.com slash books. And of course, you can support us via Patreon as PayPal, but all of that inside is inside of politicsandright.com slash support. We need your support at all costs and help maintain this. Breach says, you were here chatting, sharing, learning. All this isn't free. Support the show. Become a PDR Posse member. I love you, Bridge MCP, for encouraging our people to become PDR Posse members. We could not do this without you at all. We simply could not do that without you. Okay. I interviewed uh, Sinsun uh, Ramirez, uh, Cristina Sinsun Ramirez. Damir Egberto, post this, LOL. Okay. You, did, you finally did it right. You shook me up. You really shook me up, Bridge MCP, leader of our PDR posse. Hey, I like that. Look at what my girl did. I like that. <laughs> hey, folks, I didn't do this. Bridge MCP did this. That is so cute. Hey, I love you, girl. Thank you so kindly for putting that on, on the screen. Look at what she did with my head. She cut my head off and put me in a tux. With a, with a bow tie and politics done right. That is, that is what I call boss, Bridge MCP. That's what I call boss. That's what I call boss. <laughs> okay, let me go ahead and play Sinsun Ramirez because she had uh, quite a bit to say. And then we'll display what our beautiful Bridge MCP did for me. I love you, girl. Let's go ahead. Welcome to one more edition to Politics and Random. Berto Willis, your host. Thank you so kindly for being with us today. We have a very special guest. Cristina Sinsun Ramirez is with us today. Cristina is a civil rights leader, former Senate candidate, author, and community organizer, forging a better future for all Americans. Cristina is the executive director of Next Gen America and previously founded and led two of Texas's largest voting and civil rights organizations, specifically JOLT a Texas-wide organization focused on in energizing the Latino vote and Workers' Defense Project, WDP, winning the passage of local and state laws protecting the rights of hundreds of thousands of workers. Cristina, welcome to Politics Unright. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. Glad to be here with you. Well, look, uh, first of all, uh, thank you very much for, for doing this. You've been doing a hell of a lot of work to make sure that somehow 2022 become what 2022 needs to be. So before we get into next gen, et cetera, I want to ask you a few questions about the voting bills in Texas. H1, or rather H3S1. Um, what are your thoughts? How is this going to affect us here in Texas? I mean, what we saw in 2020 and every election is that Texas is going from one of the lowest voter turnout states to really skyrocketing and especially with the younger voters. And so these bills are designed, they are the same old tools of poll taxes and literacy tests repackaged with the same purpose, which is to deny communities of color the right to vote. And now with the new census data out, that is the majority of the Texas population that they are trying to stop and suppress our voice and vote from having an equal say in the state that we help make up in every single way, economically, politically, in its future and composition. Now, luckily, the, Dem the Democratic House 
or quite a few people in the Democratic House. They went to D.C. for about a month. They forced the, the session to close without a bill. Uh, when the governor opened up again, we had a few what I call defectors. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, should they have hold, held out a bit longer? What, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, what I'm grateful for is the fact that the Democratic delegation, and I know there was a debate about what is, which there should be, what is the right thing to do in this moment. And they had the courage to say, if our democracy isn't working, if people can't equally and efficiently and effectively access the right to vote, then it is our job to do everything we can to defend democracy for everyone. And so we all know they fled to Washington, not fled, but they went to Washington and I want to see our federal legislators show that same courage of conviction and pass the voting rights bills that are before uh, our Congress and Senate to make sure that everyone can vote. We have some people that came back. Um, ultimately, though, we know that our governor, Greg Abbott and Dan Patrick, they're happy to have special session after special session. Just today uh, on the uh, during the debates happening on these bills, they tried to ban the word of the use racist and racism to describe what is happening. They wouldn't even want our legislators, our legislators especially of color, to be able to call out what was happening. I mean, that is how insane and racist uh, right now what we're seeing happen in Texas. And it may be 2021, but in Texas, if you're a person of color, it sure does feel like 1951. Well, you know, I, I find it ironic that uh, here we, we talk about truth a whole lot. And what they're trying to do is create revisionist history from the January 6th revisionist history to the, to, to the initial sin of this country. We're trying to have people forget about it or make believe it just didn't happen. Now, a question here, um, uh, Ms. Ramirez, can we, uh, can we organize ourselves out of what Texas has done or is going to do? I mean, first off, I think that there are things that can happen at the federal level that Congress and the Senate can do to pass legislation to protect every single American's right to vote. That being said, I'm sure it's not lost as you and me as people of color living in the South, living in the most difficult state to vote in in the entire country that to even have the basic rights that we have right now, it took people organizing, mobilizing, and even dying in terrible, difficult, dangerous circumstances to be able to do that basic function of voting. So that was one with hard fought work and lives uh, in this country. And so I think we're all reticent that we aren't wanting to go backwards. And at the same time, it took federal action, even with all the organizing that happened on the ground in the South during the civil rights movement, ultimately to enshrine those rights that people were organizing for. So we are going to organize, we are going to register voters, we are going to mobilize and say, this is our state, our country, as much as it is anyone else's. But ultimately communities of color, we can't depend on our courts in Texas. We can't depend on our governor, our indicted criminal attorney general <laughs> to defend our rights. We need federal action to protect our most basic right to vote in this state because it has always been undermined since this state became a state. Now, interestingly, uh, the I think a, a couple of days ago, we've got the John Lewis Voting Rights Bill passed H.R. 4 in Congress, not the Senate. 
and the For the People Act, uh, or rather, and what we're hoping that the For the People Act would pass as well as one in the Senate. What's your what, what do you believe the prospects are that we can actually get the two, we call them the two stragglers in the Senate to actually break from the filibuster, but we all know that they are just cover for probably or likely several other senators that may not want to even have a carve out for the filibuster. What's your thoughts on that? I mean, I think that's why it's so important that the Democratic delegation from Texas went up and met with Senate leaders, especially Manchin and Sinema, and said, look, this is what we're facing. You, for the idea of holding up bipartisanship with a party that has literally supported the killing of democracy on the House floor or refused to stand up for even hearing and, and actually looking at the ramifications of the January 6th uh, uh, insurrection action and insurrection and but at the same cost is millions and millions of americans having barrier after barrier uh longer lines longer and more difficult pathways to voting the, the data is very clear that it is takes a longer amount of time it is more difficult more arduous less ability less efficiency to vote if you are black or brown in this country and um, that is, I'm hopeful that especially on the John Lewis Act that there is some movement with Manchin, um, but we need to keep putting pressure on uh, the, the two stragglers in the Senate to do the most basic thing. Like if our democracy doesn't work and Americans can't vote, then we can't pass anything. And bipartisanship in that sense is dead. Now, Christina, there, there are some people that are going through a sense of dread right now. I mean, uh, I'm going to tie this into, let's say, the bipartisan uh, infrastructure bill and the human infrastructure bill. They believe that if we cannot, uh, that if we cannot get that done and we cannot get the voter, voter rights done, that pretty much it's, it's over with for any part of this progressive movement to succeed, especially what is likely to occur uh, with, with um, again, with losing all more state houses and losing likely the House and the Senate. Your thoughts? I mean, I don't think the progressive movement is decided by one election. I think it's decided over time. We have come a long way in this country. Um, the infrastructure bill is, it, it, I wish it had the full name of what it means. It is it is a bill that will tackle the greatest problem our, our country and planet faces, which is climate change. It will create millions of good green jobs. It will give working and middle-class families the ability to care for their children. It is transformative in every single way that working and middle-class families need. Now it is, it is also transformative for big oil and fossil fuel executives that want to stand in the way in progress and the politicians that they own and control. Um, and so I am hopeful that we're going to continue to see movement on it. But I think sometimes we forget as progressives how far we've come. Um, it is no longer a crazy idea to say people that work full time should make a living wage. No one in this country should live in poverty. It is not a crazy idea to say tax the rich their full fair share for the wealth that we help produce for all of them as well. It is not a crazy or wild thing to say anymore that we should not be locking up 
people uh, at such disproportionate rates that are communities of color that we need to reform our criminal justice system. And it is not a wild or crazy thing to say today that college should be affordable and accessible to every single American. And hopefully we're gonna get to that place too where we're actually canceling the student debt that is burdening millions and millions of people instead of giving them the opportunity to start new businesses or buy a home um, or not just be burdened with uh, debt um, that millions of young and you know middle-aged people are in this country at this point. Now, Christina, everything that you just said sounded beautiful. And not only did it sound beautiful, but I mean, it didn't sound like something that only progressives would want. It didn't sound like something only Democrats would want. Uh, recently on my show, I've been telling people that it concerns me that many of us don't go to Brenham, Texas, Yoakum, Texas, and all these other places where these problems are, would solve more of their problems than ours. Why, how are we missing the boat? And you are running as, uh, you are going to be the senator of Texas. You are running to be the senator of the entire Texas. How can Christina, in whatever other statewide mission she goes on, how can you tell that message to everyone who needs to hear it? Because it's a winning message. I mean, the truth is that the vast majority of Americans agree on a lot of the problems and a lot of what they want to see, right? It, most Americans believe that if you're sick, you should be able to go to the doctor and not have to worry about how much it's gonna cost you. Um, most Americans agree that you should be able to be educated and want great schools for our children. Most Americans agree, regardless of party affiliation, that the minimum wage is way too low and $15 an hour is the minimum it should be. And most Americans agree that the ultra-rich and billionaires do not pay their fair share and they have rigged the economy and political system to their own benefit. Um, so I think we win when we speak to that truth and that pain because there is real economic pain. You know, thinking before COVID that 60% of Americans in savings. Um, I mean, that is obscene that so many people live on the margins in our country and that politicians don't speak to that pain. So I am, I don't think that these ideas about wanting to care for our children and neighbors and family and friends are things that people, regardless of affiliation, I think do agree with. Um, I guess I would I would tell one story just really quickly, just two stories of two Texans that I think about that um, there was the dreamer in um, the Hurricane Harvey that happened, Hurricane Harvey that happened in Houston, Alonso Guillen, that went out and rescued neighbors. People didn't, he didn't even know, and he died in the process trying to rescue neighbors. And then I think of Tremaine Brown in Amarillo, Texas, that owns this little one-room barbecue joint and during COVID, he has given out, I think it's something like 100,000 meals to other people that needed food and care from their neighbors during COVID-19. And I think we as a country, as a people, we really honor and admire their individual acts of courage. But I think, what if those weren't individual acts of courage? What if that was how our government cared for us? 
at the end of the day, I think all we're asking is that our government care for us, just like we would care for any neighbor or person that we saw in need. In need. And I think our government can do that for us. We just have politicians, especially that have been bought up by billionaires within the Republican Party that don't want uh, government to care for us. And the last thing I'll say is I'm a progressive. I do not think Democrats are perfect by any means. I just look at the other side that doesn't want to pay for anything that will take care of our kids, our health, our environment and community and the working class. And that's no party for me. The Democrats, I feel like I can move and push and we've proven that we can push them, but they are by no means perfect. You know, Christina, what we have, as I see it, is a, is a system where we try to detach the government from we the people so that we can feel that that is some entity aside. So when you talk about you want your government to care about you, you're also talking about we care. So given that we the people represents, uh, represent our government, that is how government should operate, but exactly how it's not operating because of those uh, who control it. Um, let's move on to uh, something great that you're doing. Next Gen America. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so Next Gen America is the largest voting rights organization for young people in American history. Last election, we are proud that we helped mobilize one in nine young voters that turned out and that we had the highest youth voter turnout in the entire country. Um, we have been around for since 2014, talking and moving and mobilizing young people by the millions. You know, we believe that young people, that when they exercise their power, that we have the courage and imagination as a country to tackle the biggest problems we face. And young people are inheriting a democracy in decline, grotesque income inequality, and a climate catastrophe. And that ultimately what young people are seeking is not just to make change on the margins, they're trying to change the status quo of this country. And now that young people make up the largest, most diverse and progressive voting bloc in American history, I'm proud to be leading the organization that does it, that does it uh, bigger and uh, to more effect than any other organization in the country. But ultimately what we want to do is solve the biggest problems that our country faces. And I think you do that with the voting power of young people. Now, um, young people, I, I speak to a lot of young people from millennials all the way down. And one of the problems that I've been hearing a whole lot is this sort of an apathy that they, that they feel. I cannot make a difference. Having an organization like NextGen, uh, which, I, 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 which is there as an empowering resource, I think is very important. Uh, what are you doing specifically to extend your tentacles into more areas? What we find many times is that... Um, we get all these organizations that operate in the centers of power, uh, the big cities, etc. Earlier on, I mentioned about us going to Yoakum, Texas, and Brenham, Texas, and Giddens, Texas, and I'm, I'm Texas-centric. This is a national program. So let's say Timbuktu, North Dakota. What are we doing to actually extend there? Because, I mean, that's where a whole lot of people also feel that they have no hope. Yeah. I mean, that's why I'm really glad at next gen in places like arizona we're and in michigan we're in the rural places too we're in places where a lot of times they're not going to be touched by an organization or a campaign and you mentioned earlier when the issues of for example healthcare. when you talk about people not having health care access if you live in a rural uh, community you often have to travel like there's not a hospital 
or good healthcare nearby. So when you talk about expanding access to healthcare, we absolutely have to think about how that impacts people in rural communities. When you talk about raising the living wage and creating basic things like internet access for every single American, because at this point, internet access should be considered uh, as, as much as we would invest in electricity or a water utility. Community. It is a, should be a utility. And so we absolutely have to reach and invest in those communities. And then next gen, we've done that for a long time, making sure that we're not just urban, but we're urban and rural that we're in black communities, white communities, Latino and AAPI communities, because ultimately we're trying to reorient our government and country to serve all of us. And that means being able to serve people in the major metros, the suburbs and rural communities that are often forgotten um, and not invested in or supported. That is excellent and needed. Um, look, we're coming up close on time and I have about two more questions that I want to get to. Uh, one is your thoughts on how we're handling COVID in Texas. And I know, what, what are your thoughts? Um, it is, you know, I think a lot of us know people that have died from COVID or been sick from COVID. Um, the day it was announced that Governor Abbott had COVID, you know, I thought about like, I, I'm glad to hear he's doing well and that he has the best access to healthcare and, and that his, his, his family that loves him can, is safe with him now. And at the same time, I thought about the millions of people in our state that have been exposed and put at risk, including my four-year-old little boy that that same day that he got COVID went to public school in Austin and I got to know that he was as safe as he could be because my school district and my local leaders defied our governor's order and required everyone to wear a mask. Because while Greg Abbott's family deserves to know that he's safe and having good health care and being protected as best he can, I want the same thing for my child, even, and I want the same thing for him, even if he doesn't want it for my own four-year-old little boy. Okay, I have two more questions. If I'm going to give you both of them so that you can think on one. The last question I always ask is, what didn't I ask you that you wanted me to ask you? But before that, tell me a little bit about your political prospects going forward. My I have no political prospects going forward, but to lead NextGen and mobilize millions of young people to transform our democracy and our economy. That's number one priority. And being Santi's mom, my son, that's it. Um, and then um, the question you didn't ask me is how people can volunteer for NextGen. So the other great thing that we do at NextGen is we have volunteers all over the country. Um, we have one of the largest distributed volunteer teams, which means you can volunteer anywhere from a coffee shop, from your kitchen, from your bedroom, wherever that is. And people can volunteer at nextgenamerica.org and sign up and be part of our 25,000 volunteer um, team that we're growing to 40,000 no matter where they are. So we hope that they'll join. Cristina Sinsun Ramirez, Executive Director of Next Gen America. Thank you so kindly for having been on Politics Done Right. Thanks so much for having me and for doing the show. We All right, folks. Um, <laughs> of this whole thing, I want to tell you that uh, Eric Hayes, our resident conservative, just made the case for Medicare for All because he realizes that in order to have a humane society, in order to have a 
society that cherishes life, you must do something given that the small businessman can't. He says, ask Christina, how does the small business owner pay for the higher wages in, say, Yoakum or whatever small town? You see, we understand the small businessman in Yoakum. Progressives do. We understand the small business person in Brenham, Texas. Progressives do. We understand that one of the things that that guy needs, that woman needs, is that she only needs to pay for what she needs to pay for to get her business going. We don't need to have health care in the domain of the business person. Medicare for all obviates that problem. So, I mean, the reality is all the problems, whenever, whenever a Republican or a conservative says, who's going to pay for it? Let them know. We all do. And especially the rich counties do. Just like the rich counties and the rich states are holding the hands of the red states so that they can survive, we, would, we do not mind doing that for the entire country. We do not mind doing it for the entire country because we understand what it means to be a society. But you see, those who always claim that they are pro-life, in general, they have been taught to support policies that kill. Folks, please do remember to support our program. Please go to politicsdoneright.com. If you're on YouTube, please click that join button. Otherwise, please consider going to politicsdoneright.com support and find one of the different methods that we have for support. I guarantee you that you will find it very, very, very wise. You'll, you'll really find that supporting a program like Politics Done Right is worth it in gold. Is worth it in goal. My name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics Done Right. And you know how I end this baby. I am what? Out. We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.